Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today I have an article, and I'm going to be talking about optimism and some interesting new research on how you can grow your own optimism. So stay tuned for that. Um, In the meantime, uh, while you will be listening in 2020, it is still 2019 for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, we, we should say Happy New Year, I suppose. Yes, Happy New Year. This is the first episode that's going to launch in 2020. I can't believe it's going to be 2020. I know. When this launches, that's crazy to me. Um, So we're recording this before our little break. Uh, As our loyal listeners will know, we took those two weeks off at the end of of 2019, at the end of the year. So we're recording this prior to that um, to be ready to go when 2020 hits and... I just still can't believe that we have a few weeks and it's going to be 2020. I know it's totally crazy. Um, And this year has flown by. I feel like every year flies by, but this year has just completely flown by um, in like a crazy fashion. I feel, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I am, it was a good year. I am excited for what is to come. So, um, but yeah, it just does seem nuts like a new decade. I know it's the 20s I feel like everyone's gonna have like a billion Gatsby parties this year like yeah <laughs> that's true the beginning of the 20s and that's we're not gonna true. have our own identity it's gonna be the our identity is the 1920s <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that that's so interesting I hadn't thought about that idea I was thinking of like like 2020 vision like sunglasses theme or something I don't know Mm. (laughs) like glasses theme or I don't know I feel like because everyone always has those like glasses on New Year's that are like the like you know whatever year Mm -hmm. it is and it's so easy to make them out of 2020 because there's like two eyes built into it you know yeah that's so I feel like I keep thinking of people wearing that (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure people will wear it for like for sure 100% Um, yes it's just so interesting that I mean it sounds so silly because it's not like ni- either of us are around in the 20s, like the last 20s. Um, That's true. But I feel like the 20s weren't that long ago, but they were. <laughs> I know. That's that's ac- like very accurate. I know. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's just so interesting, the passage of time. Like we talked before on shows about like how old you feel versus how old you are. And like as time goes by. And I know my parents, for example, they were just doing it this past weekend where they're talking about people who are like, you know, 40 something or like early 50s. And they're like, oh, you know, those people, they're our age. And my mom's like, my dad always says it. My mom's like, those people are not our age. Like <laughs> we are now like 10 to 15 years older than those people. But like, you don't feel like you're like advancing in life. And then you look back and you're like, wow, like I've kind of lived for a while now. Like my being has been present for like, a few decades you know what I mean like it's like weird it is weird I feel like I feel that way all the time like I see somebody in their like mid to late 20s and I'm like they're my age and I'm like oh wait like the person over <laughs> no. there that looks really old that, that in my opinion like not actually looks really old but like I'm like that person's old and they're 35 and I'm like oh yes they're closer to my age than the person that I said was my age mm-hmm. yes I know it's like creepy mm-hmm. um so, yeah, it's just interesting as time goes on because my dad has done that forever. And I used to be like, you're so weird. But now I realize you're like, oh, 
you go to like a wedding and you look around and like if it's like you know a younger cousin or like work colleague or something like you can be at a wedding where the person getting married is like 10 years younger than you Mm. and like all their friends and stuff and you're like whoa that's crazy you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny I still feel that way going on college campuses and I know that you're on a college campus way more often than me um, but when I'm on one, I'm like, wait, these are children. They're not supposed I know. to be in college. Like <laughs> I, know, I am this so age, weird. not them. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. Like, um, I went back to my high school to do like a career day and, um, the one girl was, I was like giving my presentation and the one girl was like, oh, my older sister went here too. What year did you graduate? And I was like, oh, I graduated in 2003. And her face got like all like just like she like <laughs> lost her expression. And she you was like, monster. I, yeah, she was like, I was born in 2003. And I was like, well, just shut up. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it is weird when you're like, wow, like you're in high school and literally like just time keeps going, moving forward. And like, you don't feel that different. But then you realize like, oh, like a lot of time has actually passed. This is kind of creepy. Mm hmm passage of time it's very interesting and the perception of time is super interesting Um, and also though like you do get better like I feel like one good thing though is like I wouldn't want to go back to like high school or college or like any time really because I feel like like you know people are like a fine wine and you keep growing better and wiser and whatever like there are some things that you miss about you know having like less responsibility maybe or things like that but for the most part, I feel like you like learn so much over time that you wouldn't want to like go back and have to like forget all of it, you know? Right. I totally agree. You don't want to be. Yeah. I feel like if I go back five, ten years, I'm a totally different person because I just I don't know. I'm very naive. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> that's very. I mean, I think that people I don't know when I was in my early 20s, I felt like I knew things I, I was obviously super smart and awesome. And that's not to say I wasn't smart or awesome, but you were, (laughs) but I thought I knew more than I did. And I feel Mm -hmm. like as you get a little bit older, you start to realize like, wow, I actually didn't know anything. And now I feel like we're at an age where we realize we didn't know anything. Then we know what we know, but we are not taking for granted that there's still a lot more. We don't know. Yeah. I feel like you get to that point where you're just like, oh, like I am an expert in these things and I have had experience in these things, but there's more experiences out there that I have not yet had. Right. Yes, that's true. I agree. And like, you're better at like taking advice and listening because you realize like, Oh, there was a time when I thought I didn't need any advice (laughs) and I was not correct about that because I just like didn't realize. And then now like you realize like, Oh, actually like, Advice is good. I I like advice. <laughs> so we've gotten weirdly <laughs> philosophical about the passage have, of time in 2020. We really have. 2020 <laughs> is a time for the oh, philosophical man. worker being to come forward. <laughs> but on that note, um, I know you're talking about optimism. So Yes. I think and it that, actually... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say I think that ties into what you're going to talk about a little bit because you're going to be talking about how we can become more optimistic, right? Yes. Um, So it's actually a good tee up because uh, this paper is about growing your optimism over time. And so they actually had five ways of data. So it's a longitudinal study 
looking at the impact of how different things going on in your life make you more or less optimistic. Yay, so, that sounds great. Yeah. So yes. tell us, what is this article? Tell us all yes. the things. So the article is called Reciprocal Relationships Between Dispositional Optimism and Work Experiences, a Five-Wave Longitudinal Dis- Investigation. And it's from the Journal of Applied Psychology. It just literally just came out. Um, hot and off the press. Hot off the press. And the authors are Lee, Lee, Fay, and Fraza. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm excited about this paper. Um, do you want to hear a little bit like high level yeah. what's going on? Yes. Tell okay. Me. So basically, in the past, optimism was thought of just as a personality trait. So with personality traits, as you know, but maybe people listening might not know, they're sort of considered things that are more inborn. So the way that you are is the way that you are. And optimism was thought to be one of those things. Either you're an optimistic person or you're not an optimistic person. So all of the research or most of the research around optimism has been basically like, if you're more optimistic as a person, what does that predict? Um, What does that help you to be better at uh, being optimistic? But there wasn't a lot of research that looked at what you could do if you weren't optimistic because people just thought it was inborn. So this research started to look at not just, okay, sure, certain people are more likely to be optimistic than others. But this research looked at what's the case where if you're putting yourself in increasingly positive situations, you have positive expectations for yourself because you're optimistic, but because of those positive expectations, you actually put yourself in more challenging situations, you try harder, you're more likely to realize positive outcomes. And then when that happens, does that actually make you even more optimistic in turn, which shows you that you can grow your optimism? And um, so basically, that's what they find, that optimism, uh, broadly, the interesting takeaway from this article is that optimism is not just an inborn thing. It's something you can grow. That's super interesting. And I know that that's something that we have thought a lot about because for our retreat, we're going to be talking about psychological capital and psychological capital. One of the components is optimism and growing your optimism. So this feels super relevant to us right now. Um, so I'm very excited it just came out because it's basically like, hey, what you're doing for the retreat is a good idea. <laughs> it makes yes. sense. So I love yes. that. Yes, me too. Um, yeah, and I think that it's tough because a lot of the stuff, um, you know, that we'll talk about at the retreat are things that historically people have really thought of as things that you could grow. And optimism is the one piece of this puzzle that historically people have been like well you know you're either a half glass full or a half glass empty half did I say that right glass Um, half full full. oh my god half glass oh my god whoa um (laughs) that was like a really weird brain mistake um in any event I just am a glass who knows person apparently but um so uh But optimism is one thing that, you know, it's sort of just been thought of like, yeah, either you think of things positively or you don't. And and I guess I should define optimism. So basically optimism is just the extent to which you hold generally favorable expectations for your future. 
So like I look forward into the future and I started a new job. Do I generally expect that things are going to turn out well? I start a new relationship. Do I generally expect that things are going to be positive within that relationship? I move to a new city. Do I generally expect when I get there that, you know what, things will probably be pretty good here. Um, if you're not optimistic, obviously you're starting a new job and you're like, generally, you know, I'm I'm thinking probably this won't work out. Or you start a relationship and you're like, uh, I'm not sure where this is going or move to a new place and say, uh, you know, I I think probably I'm going to have to move again soon. Um, so being optimistic is basically saying I'm expecting good things to happen. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That just makes the, your examples just make me think of like what Danny and I are dealing with right now because we're looking to potentially move. And I didn't think I was like a super optimistic person, but compared to him. <laughs> so it's like, we'll look at thing. We'll look at an apartment. I'll be like, I could see us living there. I think it'd be great. And he's like, what? Well, there's this problem and this problem and this problem and this problem. And so like everywhere we go, I like leave and I'm like, I think it's fine. And he's like so negative. Um, <laughs> and he's always like, why do you always think everything is fine? It's like you convince yourself to think everything's going to be fine everywhere. And I'm like, well, that's. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'll because be happy wherever I am. it is going to be fine. Yes. Um, no, yeah. And I think, well, you can tell him that this paper would suggest that it actually does create uh, better life circumstances for you if you are optimistic. So generally, being optimistic, if you approach things optimistically, you end up in better circumstances. And the reason that you end up in better circumstances is is because you're more likely to put yourself, you're like, try harder, um, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has been some research on that. Um, in this paper, what they found was that actually the one area was particularly affected by optimism, and that is in feelings of job insecurity. So if you're coming into a situation optimistic, you're more likely to feel secure in the situation mm-hmm. that you're in. Um, and feeling more secure in the situation that you're in instead of being like, I don't know. Um, so some of this, this is the main impact of optimism. Starting off with optimism is on job insecurity. Um, so basically the idea is that like, if you said I'm starting a new job tomorrow and someone said like, okay, if this doesn't work out, how well would you be able to adapt to that? How well would you be able to find another job? Things like that. So if you would mm-hmm. be like, you know what, if if I, you know, I think I feel pretty good here, but if things didn't work out, I'd be fine there too, or I'd find another position or whatever. Um, being dispositionally optimistic makes you feel more secure in the situation that you're in. Here it's in a job. I would believe that that probably translates to other things as well. Um, so you can tell Danny that it does make <laughs> you feel more secure in your situation if you approach things optimistically. Well, then he's going to have to start growing that optimism. What did they, I did know. they learn anything about that? Like what causes people to be more optimistic? Um, so basically what they said is like, yes, it's true that certain people are more naturally inclined to be optimistic. And they found that um, optimism relates to people's feelings of security. Now, interestingly, um, they did not find that optimism um, predicted things like your salary in the future or uh, whether or not you were supported or perceived you were supported by coworkers and supervisors. So really this uh, security piece is what came out from what dispositional um, optimism causes. Mm -hmm. Um, What they found was that um, over time, 
these change related um, or these change related reciprocal kinds of effects uh, continue to grow just for job insecurity. So it's not that it impacts everything. Um, and in fact, it impacted less than they thought that it might. But in terms of feeling like sure of yourself in a particular environment, it seems like if you feel positively about yourself, you're more likely to feel secure in the situation you're in, which means that you then put more time and effort and energy into uh, potentially being in that situation because you're like, things are good here. Like, I'm not going to be poking holes in what could go wrong. I'm not going to be thinking about like, why well, shouldn't like jump in or try or persist at this because ah, it's probably not going to work out anyway. Um, you're more likely to put in the time and energy to make the situation more secure. And as a result, you become more secure in that environment. And then you think, well, that worked out for me last time. So the next thing I approach, I'm going to feel good about it. Or mm-hmm. I'm able to achieve what I want to achieve and maintain security in this position. So looking forward into the future, why would I expect anything different? So mm-hmm. that actually starts to grow your optimism over time. Okay. That makes sense. So it's more like you, in the very beginning of the study, you start with a certain amount of optimism and yes. that will then grow over time as you continue to put in that effort and use that optimism to basically push yourself and motivate yourself to try and do things and put yourself in good situations. So mm-hmm. it's almost, I don't know if this is accurate, but it almost feels like a fake it till you make it might work. Yeah. Yes. That's basically correct. Um, with regard to um, this idea of feeling like safe and secure in your situation. And then, you know, over time, basically what happens is like, I feel secure, so I'm going to, like, I, I'm just going to say that this is going to work out. And that me- means that I'm not spending a lot of time thinking about how it might not work out. I'm just like, you know what, this is going to work. And I put my time and energy into making it work, basically, mm-hmm. uh, because I believe that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, wow, that worked. And then I'm like, next time someone's like, hey, can you make this work? I'm like, yeah, I can. And I have positive expectations for increasingly challenging goals right so mm-hmm. I keep moving forward in my career over time and um, I grow more and more optimistic because it's a combination of me initially believing that things were going to work out but then also being like wow and I was right mm-hmm. but the link between those two things is that when you believe that things are going to work out you actually put more time and energy and effort into making them work out yeah. so yeah fake it till you make it is is a good way of saying it yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Cause it does remind me a lot. I know I've already talked about psychological capital multiple times and I know we have an episode on it, which we can link to. It's the four leaf clover of wellness, I think is what we called it or the four leaf. I don't know what we called it. I'll link to it. Um, but there's an episode on psychological capital and it very much plays on this idea of optimism feeding off of each other. Right. It, it talks a lot about how you can grow this and how that will then keep leading you to more success and more well-being because in this case with optimism you're feeling that stability so you're gonna feel less stressed out because you're you feel stable you feel like you're gonna be able to do the next thing so that's gonna help you have some of those positive emotions versus negative emotions that are associated with wellness um yes and so I feel like this is kind of a this is just like another study that's basically showing something very similar it's looking it's like a big microscope in on optimism only 
But mm-hmm. the psychological capital of literature kind of already talks a lot about some of this stuff. So it's really interesting to see this longitudinal approach. So I think that's a big thing here with the study is the fact that it looks over time. So a lot of the other research doesn't do that as much. Um, it's just a little bit in terms of how you can grow it. But this having those five different time periods, I think it's really interesting. So you're able to see how it can change and grow if you just continue to build that optimism and continue to put yourself in good situations and work really hard and um, feel like you can do it is really going to impact how you continue to feel and the stability you feel over time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like the exactly what you said is the is the main takeaway of the article is that when it comes to uh, being able to grow your feelings of safety and security and then you actually act on those you end up realizing that it's appropriate to believe in yourself and you continue believing in yourself at higher and higher levels um the interesting thing is that they thought that maybe optimism might predict whether or not people perceive that they're supported by other people like maybe if I go into a relationship with a coworker or a relationship with a supervisor if I think the relationship's going to turn out well, then it will turn out well. And when it turns out well, I'm going to be more optimistic. They actually didn't find any relationships between optimism and perceptions of coworker support or supervisor support. So it seems like uh, optimism may be more linked to goal-related outcomes or uh, job circumstances. Like I expect good things in relation to what will happen to me, but that maybe other people's behavior is too complicated. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be optimistic about a new situation when you change the people, but I would be optimistic about a job situation because I'm a constant. Mm. That's interesting. I feel like that, I mean, it makes sense. And I feel like it's a much healthier type of optimism than maybe what's colloquially, why can't I say that word? (laughs) (laughs) We can't talk today. (laughs) That's used in common language. That's really the point I was trying to make. Um, I feel like when you use optimism in that way, it can almost sometimes have a negative connotation where you never see the bad and you never see what's really there. You know, that Mm -hmm. whole like rosy colored glasses thing. It sounds like here... It's not that somebody has fully rosy colored glasses, right? Because they are seeing the complexity of other situations and may not feel supported, but they're still optimistic that they can make an impact to the situation Mm -hmm. and that the job is still stable or whatever they're doing is still going to be stable and that they can move forward. So it's, it is, it does seem like it's a realistic optimism. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think it's also, you know, it's not that being optimistic can fix everything. Um, Having a positive expectation can't fix everything. But I think basically the core of it is like you're betting on yourself. Mm -hmm. And so it has more to do with whether or not you experience security in yourself and your ability to be successful and then continued feelings of that security feed feelings of optimism for the future, as opposed to I'm going to feel I'm going to have positive expectations for relationships or it'll grow my success in relationships because it may be that there's too many variables involved when you're interchanging people mm-hmm. than just when you're saying I'm taking myself and putting myself in a new situation, but I believe in myself as opposed to like, I believe in this group's ability to be able to make something happen. Um, so it seems like it might be a little bit more individualized mm-hmm. and, um, and rooted in like 
can I move forward in achieving my goals? The other piece that um, I should mention is that optimism doesn't predict your income. So if you're more optimistic, it doesn't make you make more money. But if you make more money, you get more optimistic. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that one only worked the other way. <laughs> um that if you make more money, it makes you uh, have more positive expectations for the future. But something interesting about that is that um, while we often talk about how salary means less than like meaningful work and things like that, um, in this instance, it does seem like if you could put yourself in a situation where you feel like you're being appropriately compensated for what you're doing or you're making more than you were before, it does um, seem to back reflect on the way that you have positive expectations for the future. So um, getting a raise or pursuing a job that pays more, although it's not everything, it does seem like it has some ability to influence the way that you feel about whether or not things will work out for you in the future. And that makes sense because if we're talking about stability being something that can cause more optimism, then if you have a higher income, you're probably going to feel a little more stable. Right. Right. So it's going to bring you to being more optimistic and then the optimi- and then it kind of keeps doing this circle. I get that it doesn't go back. So it's like you don't optimism doesn't cause a higher income, but a higher income can help you continue to feel more stable and optimistic. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So um, so, yeah, over five years of data that they looked at, it was like 500 something people in this study, 560 people. Um they were able to sort of model this and show that it's not just you're born optimistic or you're not. Uh, you actually, your positive expectations for things, if you start off optimistic, help you to actually put in the time and energy to make the situation what it could be, which then shows you that you can do it. And then you're more optimistic the next time you face a challenge and you might even set higher goals for yourself moving forward. And if along the way, as a result of those efforts, you make more money, when that happens, you get even more optimistic, basically. Um, and it seems to be a pretty individualized sort of thing. Hmm. I wonder if there's anything, have you thought at all, or did they mention anything that, so it sounds like everything you're doing here and what you just described is at the individual level, like I am doing these things to help me be more optimistic. Is there anything mm-hmm. that like a company can do or a leader can do to help people be more optimistic? Yeah, so um, one thing that was sort of, irritating in this study was that they didn't have a very long practical implication section. It was only one paragraph. Um, (laughs) But what they basically said was that um, that they have to managers and, you know, higher level leaders have to recognize that if they want people to expect good things, that they have to do what they can to make people feel secure and to compensate them appropriately. Um, And that it's not just a fixed pool that when you get somebody, if you like feel like, oh, that person's kind of negative or this person's more positive, that you're not working with something that's just stagnant, that you can influence it. So if you have somebody on your team that's like always expecting the worst, thinking about like, well, is there something going on with them feeling more insecure or is there something going on with like feeling undercompensated um, that those are ways that you might be able to address moving forward, increasing that person's positivity for themselves and their expectations for themselves. So the main uh, takeaway was recognizing that characteristics of the job can actually make people expect better things for themselves as opposed to just seeing it as like, Oh, this person just has low expectations and that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. 
that makes sense. So focusing in on that security and stability, I think that's important generally. Um, mm-hmm. So helping people feel that way will obviously impact Im- optimism and can kind of help their teams um, be more successful really long term is what it sounds like. So mm-hmm. that that's that's disappointing though about the practical implications section. It's yeah. Like worker being hell. They have like a sentence. I know. Like, we don't care. About I know. Practice. <laughs> I know. I know. And I think sometimes it's hard because like it's a long study and they have like um, to say, yeah. a short space. And so mm-hmm. sometimes when you go through the review process, the reviewers are like, you know where you should cut this. Um, and so you kind of have to like go along with what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think that more or less what they're saying is like, don't see this as something where you're starting with just this is the level that we have and that's all we can work with. Or this is just something about this person that I have to deal with and there's nothing I can do to influence it. Um, They also talked about, um, you know, interventions that would try to make people more optimistic might be actually better served in trying to change things about the job itself. So like, you know, obviously for us, like we can help people to understand how to find a job or increase their feelings of job security or how to find and get what they deserve to be paid, for example, things of that nature at the individual level. But when you have access to the company, they were basically saying that at the company level, if you want people to have more positive expectations for the future, you're going through a merger and acquisition. You want people to expect things positively. Well, what are you doing to make people feel more secure? What are you doing to make people feel like they're not going to be losing from a salary perspective? Those things are probably where you should focus as an organization instead of trying to just be like, well, you know, we should all just think positive. Positively, mm-hmm. um, that there are ways that you can actually affect that instead of just being like, well, you know, some people are cheerleaders and some people are naysayers <laughs> and that's it, you know? Yeah, I agree. It makes a lot of sense. So really, um, I mean, and that's where the organization has it. I don't know if it's easier time to make an impact in terms of making people feel more secure, but it's definitely a little bit less expensive than like putting a whole training together for optimism and all of that and trying to get the right person to do that training. Cause it's a very mm-hmm. nuanced thing. It's not um, an easy thing to just take off the shelf and teach people. So right. it makes a lot of sense that an organization might be easier in some ways, more straightforward, maybe not easy, but straightforward um, to help people feel more secure and stable in the organization Um, And make that impact. And then that also, like, we know that job security has a lot of other benefits. So overall, it's something an organization should be caring about anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you have the power to impact things at a structural level, like, it's always good to teach yourself new skills at the individual level. But at the company level, if you have the power to impact things at a structural, from a structural perspective, you should. Um, so I think what they're saying is like something that used to be thought of just as something that was like very within the individual now can be thought of as something that's actually caused by a structure. Yep. That makes sense. Well, that's exciting. Thank you so much for sharing. Yes, absolutely. I love it. And I also love the ties to the worker being retreat, which we're super excited about. I feel like it just makes me feel more optimistic that what we're doing (laughs) is great. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. I feel very secure in our 
<laughs> in our ability to deliver a great retreat. <laughs> um, so on that note, we would love to hear from all of you listeners um, with your experience with optimism. If you have any questions or thoughts or if this sounds right up your alley, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us at worker being, well, yeah, workerbeing at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on our website, <laughs> workerbeing.com. You can contact us on social media at workerbeing. Worker being, wow, I like cannot <laughs> speak today. At We're having being. a real problem. Yeah, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> but also, we'll set in a link in the show notes. We'll put in a link about the retreat. So if you're interested in that, interested in optimism and how you can grow that, along with the other resources of psychological capital, we would love to have you join us. Um, and we're also going to be doing that meetup in LA in the arts district on January 26th. So we'll provide a link for that as well. And we hope to see you at some of those events or we hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.